Welcome to Ellen the Great Podcast. I'm Ellen Wanjiro, and I am conquering the unknown one episode at a time. Hey, I'm about to have this conversation with my boy Dave Crockett about interracial relationships. Apparently, it's a conversation that he's wanted to have with me for a long time. So So he's going to set up a Zoom call and record our conversation, and that will be the episode. I apologize in advance for the feedback and background city noise. We both neglected to put on our headphones during our Zoom call. What time is it? It's 11.16 p.m. on a Saturday night. Do you want to allow this app to make changes to your device? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, where the hell? Oh, here it is. Come on now, Zoom. Hello, hello, hello. You know, like I just said to you a minute before we got on, I have been dying to have this conversation with you. Um, I didn't know how we were going to have it. I didn't know how it was going to come up. I didn't know when it was going to come up. But I knew that I was going to make my way to it sooner or later. And And here here we are. And here we are. (laughs) So how do I feel about interracial relationships? Gosh. Well, I'm for them. Let's start there. I'm for love, whatever that looks like. And I've dated uh, out of my race. So, yeah, I'm an equal opportunity lover um, as it relates to to, uh, race. Uh, And the odd thing is there are certain family members have said to me, I can see you with a white man and just having babies. And for the longest time, I kind of bought into that. So much so that for a while, I didn't see myself ending up with a black man. And that way of thought kind of had me fucked up a bit because it had me looking at black men like, uh, yeah, nah, nah. And then I got with a militant black man, (laughs) unbeknownst to him, just him being how he is and how he thinks and his way, his outlook on the world kind of helped me appreciate black men all over again. I would still date a white man today. I would, I would, I would date any race, honestly, as long as, you know, the chemistry is right and the love is there. I don't really care about that. But on the flip side of that is there's a part of me that's going to be in my head about, oh, what are my people thinking? Like, is someone, is someone judging me? Is someone talking shit about the fact that I ended up with a white man and then within that relationship what does that look like is this white man really gonna fully understand the black plight enough to respect me and my view and my worries and my concerns but is that really his fucking job to do that so it, it's a it's a confusing construct yeah there's too many moving pieces in my mind for it to make absolute sense or for me to be 110 percent comfortable or not give a shit what anybody thinks but the older that i've gotten i'm realizing that it's not about what anybody else thinks it's what's going on in my mind how i feel about it what i look at it as i tend to to live in my head a lot so I don't know what a full-blown relationship, interracial relationship would look like. They exist. Folks are happy. They have kids. It works for them, so it's possible. That's awesome. I mean, I'm just I'm trying to be in 
any kind of relationship at this point. <laughs> Forget a white man, a, a blue man, or a green man, just a relationship. If I could survive that, then I think um, I could, or an interracial relationship, I don't know. So um, you touched a lot of pain points for me, right? I have never dated a white woman. I've had sex with a white woman. I've gone to dinner with white women, but I have never dated a white woman, right? And one of the things that I recently uh, came to grips with is why, right? And that is because uh, I do not believe, so when I date, right, not just fuck, not just go out with, but when I date a woman, you know, in my mind, it's always, you know, can this ever be something? Uh, condoms come off intentionally and <laughs> unintentionally. Sometimes condoms never get put on. Right. Uh, intentionally and unintentionally. Um, they break. But, you know, there's always the chance that this woman could get pregnant, right? Yeah. And then, you know, there's always a chance behind that that she could say, I'm keeping it, right? And even if she didn't get pregnant, if I'm in a relationship with somebody, I need to be as close to them as I possibly can, right? So, you know, is it possible to get, as a man, as close to a woman as I can? You can only get but so close. I'll never truly understand the plight of women in America, right? Just like women will never truly understand the plight of men in America, right? So then if you add to that the plight of, you know, a white woman in America, and she has to add to that the plight of a black man in America, it never, never, I do not believe ever that she will ever get there. I do not believe that she can ever, ever, ever truly understand, sit in my shoes, know what it's like to be a black man in this country. And how can we ever truly become mm. as close as we can if it's just impossible to get there? How many times can you sit here and say to yourself that the, the most progressive, your most wonderful white friends that you've ever had have always done or said something where I've said, here we go with some white people bullshit. There's not one. There's mm. not one. No matter how fr good friends we are, no matter how much I love them, no matter how much I know they love me, there's always going to be that occasion where they say something that is, you know. So how many times have I heard white people talking about this violence of cops, you know, against black people? Why don't they work on, you know, the violence of black on black people? Maybe if there wasn't violence of black on black people, then people could focus and understand and, and, and get behind the violence of cops. Ain't nobody in this world perfect. There's violence of white on white people also. Nobody, no race. So why is it that we are expected to be perfect? One of the things that Martin Luther King fought for, which I honestly believe, right, is that I should be able to suck just as much as you do. Mm. I should be able to be as horrible as you are. That's true equality. You got that job and you suck at it, but you got it because you white. I should be able to get the same job and suck at it also. Why does Obama have to be greater and better? And it doesn't just come from white people. 
black people have bought into that too. Why? So Obama didn't get up there on day one and talk about how this is bullshit, the way y'all white people treating us, and why he got to do that? Why is that his responsibility to be the person? And that was the expectation from his own people. Oh, man, I can't tell you how many times I had to have this conversation with people in the gym. This one brother used to come up to me, why he kowtowed and why he placating for these white people? Why don't he just tell them y'all have been bullshitting us and then just do everything for black people? Why you got to be perfect at it? Y'all didn't expect that perfection from anybody else who'd been in there. So why y'all expecting it from him? But if you had that conversation with a white person, chances are they're going to be on board with the, you know, he should be doing it better than everybody else. Perfectly. So I know I, I do not the most progressive, the most progressive white people in my life have always done and said something where I had to say to myself, let me tell you what this, or I had to say to one of my friends, let me tell you what this white person said today. It's never, it, it, and I've been on this planet 54 years. 54, right? Son of a bitch. So at my job, right, we do these town hall things where we all come together and we talk, you know, and get to know each other and all this other sort of stuff. And one of the things that we always have in there is race relations, equity, not just equality, but equity, right? So the last one they did, they separated the black people on one side of the room or people of color, the people of non-color and the people who identify with a little bit of both in the middle, right? And then we all had to have conversations amongst ourselves on race. And, you know, they gave us 15 minutes to do that. And then after the 15 minutes, the host says, okay, so what were some of the conversations that were had? And everybody's quiet. So I don't give a fuck, right? I raised my hand and I said, you know, I'm uncomfortable saying this, but I have these sort of conversations with black people all the time. And somebody on the other side of the room, on the white side, says, okay, but how come you don't have them with white people? If there's, you know, a racial... Because I'm tired. Because I'm fucking tired. I am tired. For all of my life, I have had to try to convince people, progressive or, or, or completely on the right side, and every variation in between, about the black plight. And I'm tired. And this is why I do not believe that I could ever truly get into a relationship and truly believe that this person is going to understand what it's like to be. Did you see the movie American Son? Yeah. Curry Washington. Um, oh, it was a play. Yes, a play based on a play. Yes, it I was thought. a play. Yeah, the okay. husband had no idea. None. He's still on this fucking. You know why you let him wear cornrows and why is a clean shaven not wearing cornrows, um, why is that? When did that become the symbol of being smart and being intelligent? How is that the determination of how much I know and how I act and whether or not I should be pulled over? I had another conversation with a guy I used to work for. I was building this hotel in Brooklyn and uh, you know, he started a conversation with me about how, how difficult it is to be Jewish and, and do you know what it feels like when you get pulled over by somebody and then he finds out you're Jewish and all of a sudden he starts treating you a certain way? I said, it's a whole lot better than being pulled over because for doing nothing and, and simply because of the color of your skin. And the look on his face is like he had no fucking idea that that should be something. I think most white people don't think about that. It's, it's not for them to think about. But okay. Just, there so, is an exception. There, there are white folks that are empathetic. Like, 
going back to your initial statement, I don't think that there is a white woman I can date that would fully understand my plight. Me playing devil's advocate, I might beg to differ because it doesn't have to do solely with her being white. Like she can be white and be extremely empathetic and be able to put herself in another human being's shoes. She won't do it exactly the same way because I'm black and so that's different, but she can be empathetic. So I'm already one step up. There's already one, one gap between me and the black woman. Now I should start looking at somebody where there's two gaps between us. <laughs> that's what you're telling me. So I'm in this restaurant, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, there's this woman <laughs> in Harlem that I see all the time, right? And she's got, um, you know, I assume adopted because I've never seen her with her husband. Um, so I don't know what he looks like. I've seen her with her parents or who look like her parents or her sister or whatever. They're all white. The little boy is black. Not a dark-skinned black boy, um, not a fair-skinned black boy, but a brown. Um, he might be two, right? They come into the restaurant, a restaurant that I'm in all the time, a restaurant that they've been in before. I've seen them there before. It's empty, except for me, a woman sitting, eating, breakfast this is like a sunday and the wait staff who are in the back room you know getting food or whatever else it is and she comes in with her family it was her it was an older gentleman an older woman and another woman who looked like her sister so i assume it's her parents and her sister right and i've seen them before together um with the little boy so the little boy comes in you know he's standing around running around whatever else it is not really running around but standing around hanging out she looks over at the woman who's sitting down eating and says to her, um, can we just sit anywhere? And the woman, a dark-skinned woman, says, uh, I don't know. And then there was an awkward silence. Yikes. The dark-skinned woman says, sitting down eating, says, I don't work here. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. You look like uh, the other woman that was uh, here. So the other woman who's the waitstaff there, who I know well, comes out the back and sees her and says, hey, how you doing? Um, you, can, you can sit anywhere. Then they go and sit anywhere. But the look on this white woman's face was, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. She was horrified. She was horrified. And she just stood there in the middle of the floor while everybody else went, while the rest of her people went and sat down. And then, you know, she sort of went over there with them and sat the kid down and then was just staring at the other woman who she had just, you know, basically insulted. Right? And she was just staring at, like, she wanted to go over to her and say, oh, I'm sorry, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And yes. The only, this is from where I sit, the only way uh, that uh, people can identify with other people is when they have something to identify through. And I believe in that moment, (laughs) at that time, that woman said to herself, oh my, I just did to somebody what could possibly happen to me, to my boy to her son and and that's why excuse me i'm not coughing because i got corona i'm coughing because i'm puffing this cigar um you hear this siren i'm on my terrace hang tight but let's let it go by so um i believe that identification is the only way that like true identification like being in somebody's shoes is the only true way you know, um, that people will ever understand what it's like to be in somebody else's shoes, right? I am a firm believer that there will never be true equality 
in this country, there will never be true identification in this country until there has been 500 years of oppression of white people uh, and 400 years of slavery and segregation and everything else that they need to go through the same thing that we went through in this country in order for there to ever truly be equity and equality. Otherwise, we will never get there. It doesn't care. They talk about the majority of these people in this country will be brown in the next 20, 30 years. So what? We have already been bled into and diluted of who we are. This ain't the first time it's happened. It happened in Egypt. This story has happened before. And from where I sit, there will never be true identification. And if you can't identify with me, I'm not interested in working that hard for a relationship. I'm not, relationships are hard enough. I'm just not interested <coughs> in working twice as hard. They don't that, interest me that much. That doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Because to say that ain't not man white person out there that can identify with anything that has to do with the black person, I, I don't believe that. I can't God bless that. you. I can't God bless you. Don't get me wrong now. There are some good-looking white women out here. Do not get me wrong. There are some wonderful-looking white women out here. And they are probably good people. I work at a job where there's a whole bunch of white women that only date black men. So you wouldn't even give it a shot? I have no faith in it. Mm. Not because I don't like them. I get that. Um, about two years ago, I went out with this white girl. Um, I was at this spot. She was watching me. I was looking at her. She looked nice. Um, you know? <laughs> We went out for once, once or twice, uh, but I just couldn't get past it. I said, if I start taking this someplace that I'm not ready to take it, you know, I'm wasting her time and my time. And, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I'm not interested in wasting my time or anybody else's. Time flies when you're having fun. Sure. But that might have been a missed opportunity. Had you had had a conversation with her expressing your fears or your concerns or your doubts, that could have sparked an interesting conversation. You could have actually known where her head was at as it relates to your concerns. But Listen, I could have. I absolutely could have, you know? Uh, she was a Nicki Minaj-loving motherfucker. Listen, <laughs> listen, all of that. But, you know, in my head and in my yeah. heart, right. you know, I'm saying to myself, okay, I don't know where this is going to go. You know, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, do I want to start something that I can't finish or, or I'm not even sure if I can finish? And there's just too many other beautiful black women out here to put myself through that as an experiment. Do you think it's harder for black men to date white women and be viewed as whatever that's going to be viewed as? Or is it more difficult for a black woman to date a white man? Hmm. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. So when I was out with this woman, um, we went to a couple of places in Harlem, and uh, I saw people looking at us. And what's additionally interesting is in this current climate of, you know, race wars, uh, cops, black men, if you're in an interracial relationship and you're watching the news, what's that conversation? Yeah, see, there we go. What are y'all talking about? What, what's his point of view? What's yours? Do they clash or do they align? And if they clash, what the fuck does that look like in a relationship? I find it hard to believe 
that the most progressive person will ever truly understand. And I'm not interested in raising a child with somebody who needs uh, a crash course in what it's like to be black in America. And, and, and this race thing, you know, it's in everything we do, okay? Literally, in everything we do. Okay, so we are in COVID right now, literally, in the middle of COVID. The epicenter of the cases in the United States are on the coastal areas, California and New York. Why? Governor Cuomo talked about this as with respect to the timeline last week. It was early Monday or Tuesday I was watching the news, it came up, right? When they realized that this was a problem, one of the first things they did was shut down travel from China. Why? I'm asking you a question. I'm hoping that you, 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 you're going to come back to me with the answer that everybody else has. Go. Because, according to the media, it originated in Wuhan. Wuhan. Let's just say it did. You're absolutely right. Let's just say you're absolutely right. It originated in Wuhan. China had an issue. Um, that's where it started. If Let's just say that's absolutely true. So they shut down travel to China. At the time they shut down travel from and to China, though, mm-hmm. there were just as many, if not more, cases in Europe. Why did they not shut down travel from Europe into the United States? And they were aware that there was just as many. Everybody. Italy was shut down. Italy was already under quarantine also. You could not come outside just like they they were doing now for at least two weeks. At the time they shut down China, Italy had already been, at the time they shut down travel, Italy had already been shut down quarantine. Italy has an older population. A whole bunch of people got sick. Why didn't you shut down the travel from Europe? Well, thinking from a government perspective, we're going to target ground zero. We have... So, so hold on, so hold on, so hold on. Let's just say you're right. Okay. Let's just say you're right. So uh, on the eighth floor, you know, you America, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on the ninth floor is Italy, and on the seventh floor is China, right? Okay. 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 Motherfuckers get in the elevator going downstairs from uh, the seventh floor. You ain't getting on, Right? Because you don't heard that of the 100 apartments on that floor, 10 people are infected. Meanwhile, motherfuckers getting on the elevator from the floor above you, you still getting on, even though mm. 200 people, even though every floor on that on that floor has been affected, uh, been infected. You still gonna get on the elevator with them motherfuckers? No, I'm not. I'm not. All right then. The shit started on the seventh floor. No, but the motherfuckers on the ninth floor got more cases. Because they, they, they look, they look the way because, they look. Because it's easy to create an enemy that does not look like you. Exactly. It's easy to say, they, look at them, they're the evil ones, when it's somebody who does mm-hmm. not look like you. Right? So, yeah, Homo nice. talked about this. So, in between the time that they shut down China, and the time they shut down JFK Airport was probably like two months. In that two months, three million people came into the United States from Europe. They traveled through JFK. I'm not making this up. This came directly from Cuomo, who, came, who, who, who was quoting the statistics on the research they had done with the contact tracing. Three million people came in through JFK 
That's why New York is the epicenter and blowing the fuck up. That's why New York got more cases than anybody else. Because we allowed motherfuckers to continue to come in from Europe. Why? Because they're, I'm sorry, white. And we are comfortable with white in this country. Very it's much easy. So. Yeah. If you look back to World War One and World War Two, specifically World War Two, and you look at the, uh, uh, the graphics of the stuff that they sent out at that time to get people on board with hating the Japanese, mm. all of the pictures of the Japanese and every flyer they put out made the Japanese look like monsters. Go back mm. and look at it. I'm not making this up. I got a visual. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, they look like monsters because you want to create a monster. You want to create a common enemy, somebody that does not look like you. If you do research, I'm oh my goodness, I'm sorry to keep fucking beating this fucking dead horse. But if you do research on the dropping of the bomb on Japan, Japanese were already given up. There was no need to drop the first bomb. We just didn't like the fact that they said they wanted to keep the, the name of an emperor in place. So we dropped the first bomb. There definitely was no reason to drop a second bomb, but we dropped it because it's easy to drop a bomb on somebody that doesn't look like you. Mm. Why didn't we drop a bomb over there on Hitler's fucking ass? I find it hard to believe that we will ever, in this country, truly express, show equality, even if the country turns brown, because we have already been inbred with yeah. white culture. And white culture, you know, for some reason or for a reason, is built upon supremacy. I am better than you. I so am better... And, 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 and that's the other thing, you know, I say to myself, is that all you got? You're better than me because of the color of your skin? You're not better than me because you're smarter than me. You're not better than me because, you know, you're stronger than me. You're just better than me. Is that all you got because of the color of your skin? That's pretty weak. So on a micro level, because we just yeah. covered macro. Yeah. Do you think that within our culture, we do that to each other? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I listened to... Um, this podcast where I hear these guys talk about, I'm willing to trace the dream as long as I can burn the bridge behind me, right? Okay. So what they're saying is, if there is a neighborhood that's good over here, that's got, and I do this too, if there is a neighborhood that's good over here, that's got good schools, that's um, clean, that they got good supermarkets, ain't no fucking supermarket desert, you know what I'm saying? You go, you go to the fucking supermarket, the fruit is all beat the fuck up. You go to this supermarket here. How come all of these grapes is all fat and healthy? And I go to the supermarket over by me and the grapes is all brown and fucking beat the fuck up. You understand what I'm saying? Um, so I'm willing to go live in that neighborhood and be around those people, which historically and traditionally have not been people of color. And then as soon as people of color move in, what do I do? The white people get the fuck out? I'm deuces right behind the motherfucker. And so why is that? Um, we have been trained and taught to believe that um, we are no good. We're not good enough for that. It took a hundred. It took you know two, three, four hundred years to do it, but you know that's where we are. So I'm not saying it's a, it's it's a black. I'm saying it's the perception of a okay. black neighborhood, right? So okay. you know you go to. I mean you know black kids ain't shooting up no school, right? No. Okay, you know, but you know, but I got a kid. Do I feel comfortable with my kid in a school, you know, that's underperforming or you know just barely making it versus you know a school that I've been told 
is overperforming. Where do I want to have my kid? Well, I'd rather have my kid in this. And they got the same problems over there. It's just a perception. But they got the same. If you dig into the numbers, they got the same problems over there. Mm. They manipulate them. They make them look different. But it's the same fucking problems. They got the same violence going on in schools. They got the same bullies. They got the same fucking shit going on over there. It's the perception. So, you know, I got a house in such and such place. You know, I've been living there 10 years, everything, right? And then black people start moving in. And, you know, what's the understanding? Oh, my house values are going to dip. I'm not going to be able to sell my house. You know, blah, 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 blah. You know, there's something else I want to say about identification, right? So, and, and, I, and I say this often, right? Because I've heard this, I read this story, right? Um, the Great Recession, right? There was this woman that was interviewed. Um, she had been taken advantage of in the Ponzi scheme by, uh, what was this motherfucker's name? Bernie, Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff, yeah. So she had lost a shitload of money, literally a shitload of money. And, you know, they were talking to her about it. And she says, I get it now. She was in the supermarket. She wanted to buy a steak, but she couldn't afford it. And she had to buy something else, chicken or whatever else. And she said, I get it now. Now I understand how people steal. Because I so bad wanted to just take that steak and put it in my purse. I, she said, I so bad wanted to take that steak and just put it in my purse. They see me in here all the time. You know, they know or they think I'm wealthy. There's chances of them, you know, uh, stopping me or arresting me or whatever else it is. It's probably not going to happen. Um, I can't afford it, but I would love to just take that fucking steak and put it in my purse. And she finally understood, you know what I'm saying, about people, you know, who steal. Prior to that, she was running around this motherfucking fucking world to just work hard. If you work hard and pull yourself up by your bootstraps, mm -hmm. you can fucking make it or whatever else it is. And, you know, I know I'm aggressive about this, right? I know I'm assertive about this. This is a tender subject for me. And I speak hard about it, right? And and one of the things I often hear is, yeah, but maybe if you went at it a little softer, and maybe if you, you know, Martin Luther King, you know, was like this, and Martin Luther King was about peace and about explaining and about having conversations. Yeah, but y'all killed that motherfucker for that shit. He was doing it that way, the way that made y'all comfortable, and y'all killed his ass for that shit. So, I mean, what benefit does it do me, right? Martin Luther King wasn't out here by himself. He wasn't out here just on the... There was a whole nother movement on the other side where motherfuckers was going ape shit out there in L.A. And Lyndon B. Johnson was... If you read these memoirs and you read the fucking you know, stories and dig into it, Lyndon B. Johnson often called Martin and said, damn, what am I supposed to do? And he said, you got to give the people what they want. He wasn't just out there fucking negotiating and they was like, yeah, come on. No, their back was against the wall. He wanted them votes. He wanted to become president and he couldn't get it without the fucking uh, uh, the black vote because he was too fucking liberal. People don't do right. Very few people. Let me not say people. People don't do right just to do right, just because it's the right thing to do. No, you usually got to put your back. They, Moses had his back up against the wall. He killed two motherfuckers and left Egypt. And he ain't the only one. There's a whole bunch of other motherfuckers in the Bible. They, their back was against the wall. Altruism yes. is a lost art. Doing things just because it's the right thing to do. That's it. Yeah. That's anyway. You are today. I've talked, I've talked long enough. Have I, I, I can climb down off my soapbox. <laughs> I appreciate you climbing on top of your soapbox. Um, 
natural progression into what <laughs> into what it turned out to be, I think. Uh, so can I tell people where they can find me? Yes. I'm David. Uh, I'm one half of the podcast titled Single Dad, Why You're Mad. And uh, Single Dad, we define as a dad who is not in a relationship with his co-parent, but also spends a significant amount of time. In my case, me and my co-parent spend about the, just about 50-50. He's with me half the time. He's with her half the time um, through the week and through a month. And then the Why You Mad piece is uh, ambiguous. And I uh, tell this story all the time about how I was standing on the corner of uh, 65th, 67th Street, whatever that is, outside the Apple Store on Broadway. And uh, I had Miles in the Moby Rap. That's my boy. He probably was about uh, a year at the most. Maybe not, because he wasn't truly walking. He was kind of walking. Um, so let's just say he was eight, nine months, 10 months, whatever else it is. I had diapers coming out of one pocket. I had uh, a bottle in my back pocket. I probably had his bottle in my mouth. It probably wasn't in my back pocket, right? And cookies and all that other sort of stuff. And this woman walks up to me, um, a white woman, and says to me, you look amazing. And then she's looking around. And I said, thank you. She's looking around. She says, uh, so you're waiting for mom? I said, no. She says, you're out here by yourself? I said, yeah. She says, who tied that for you? I said, me. And she says, I don't even know how to tie one of those. And that's where I get the why you're mad because, you know, with all the time that I have spent with my boy since he was born and whenever I'm out with him, you know, people are always staring and it annoys the shit out of me. Why am I a unicorn? I'm not a unicorn. Because I'm not a unicorn. We don't see that a lot. Because we ain't looking. That ain't, because that, we ain't that looking. Ain't on the we ain't looking. Right. But I know you, right? So when you're in something, you're in it a thousand percent you are present zero fucks given about what anybody else thinks and so that's not the norm it's really fucked up to say but that's not the norm so when we see that it's just kind of like it's heart melting like if i would have seen that i think i probably would have rolled up on you and been like yo wow this is i i am loving all of this are you single like seriously (laughs) (laughs) i but i I don't want you to look at that and, and, and not understand why that is. There got to be some part of you that understands the unicorn aspect of it, right? Because when's the last time you saw a black father doing the shit that you do out in these streets? All the time. Really? Nowadays? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Okay. All the time. I digress. I'm always seeing that. Yeah, we're digressing. This is another conversation, right? <laughs> right. Okay. We're digressing. But yes, uh, so we have a podcast, Single Dad, Why You Mad? Um, and, you know, we talk to single parents, not just single dads, but single moms about their experiences, you know, um, uh, raising kids, you know, as a single parent. Um, so you can catch us. We, uh, every two weeks, um, we put out an episode, uh, singledadwhyyoumad.com. And then uh, if you go to Apple Podcast or wherever else, is, we're there. And your co-host has, has how many kids? He's got three girls. I got one boy. Okay. I had my only one and only child at the age of 50. Who the fuck does that? You do. Do you want another one? I would like a girl. <laughs> You're a glutton for punishment. I'm a glutton for punishment, yes. <laughs> but I'm telling you, fuck that. I ain't doing this apart shit. You and me, we together. I'm fucking, we, you, I'm a ball and chain, the next bitch. Fuck that shit. We together. Till death, we do part. You're going to kill me or I'm going to kill you. But 
I ain't doing this. Apart. I ain't paying rent in two places no more. Fuck that. Anyway, thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. All right. Over and out. Over and out. <laughs> Bye. After listening to my conversation with Dave and just thinking about the word identification, the names that popped into my mind were Mildred Loving and Richard Loving. For some odd reason, I kept thinking about them as it relates to identification. Mildred Loving was a woman of color and her white husband was Richard Loving. And in 1958, they were sentenced to a year in prison for marrying each other. Now they went through hell, literal hell, because he was classified as white and she was classified as black. And it was a criminal act for the both of them to be together. Now you can only imagine the hell she went through just for being black. And now here she is married to a white man who's also being treated just as badly because that's who he's chosen to be with, that he's married to her and they have children together, children that are mixed. So when you think about identification and, and, and truly what it means to identify, right, the association or linking of one thing with another, it's similar to empathy, uh, association, linking. So when you think about that on an emotional level, on a mental level, on a feeling level, you can't tell me that that man, Richard Loving, could not identify with the shit that his wife and a whole entire race went through. Sure, you know, it, it, it's nowhere close, right? But on a, on a human level, being made to feel that like you were less than or not equal to because you have chosen to be with someone that doesn't look like you that makes you feel a specific way. And if you share that with your partner, does that not qualify as you understand what I've been going through? You understand what I feel. So when you think about interracial couples today whose families are still very much anti their marriage. I, I watched something on um, Instagram recently. It was on Talk Black Media and the title was, you know, we talked to inter interracial couples 50 years after Loving vs. Virginia. And it was a mixture of, you know, a white man with a black woman or um, a white man with, um, sorry, a white woman with a black man. And one or two of those couples, specifically black husbands married to white women, the white woman's family did not agree with the fact that their daughter had married a black man and wished upon them that they do not give birth. That black man is not welcome in their house. They do not recognize this marriage. And the same situation with a reverse race uh, couple with the white husband and the black wife, his family being against him for being with her. And he's chosen to be with her. He's chosen to cut off his family for the sake of his wife because that's who he wants to be with. But you can't tell me that white man don't feel some kind of way about the fact that his family doesn't fuck with him anymore because of who he chose. Does that not qualify for some sort of identification? Like, all right, I get it to some degree, you know, not wholly, but I get it. I wish life was just as, as easy and as simple as it's just about love. Why can't we love each other? And that's all that it is. And that's all that matters. I wish we could live in a world where if 
we see an interracial couple, they're not, a, you know, a, a million little thoughts running inside our heads about judging. Yes, identification matters. It matters. It's how we relate better to each other, but we all don't identify with each other, but yet we relate on a human level. But you add in race and you add in the history of this country and you add in the present of this country and the waters begin to get murky and it's difficult to see, see on the other side. It breaks my heart, but it is what it is. I hope there comes a day and it's sad to say that I don't know that it ever will, that it doesn't matter. But I'm not that much of an optimist just based on what, it, what it's been and what it is. Anyway, it was, um, it was a good conversation. It was a thought-provoking conversation. And it's one that's just kind of been bouncing around my head since we had it. I think it will always be an ongoing conversation. And you know what? As long as there's a conversation, as long as we're talking about it, as long as we're, you know, challenging ourselves to think differently or just think, period. Thank you for tuning in to Ellen the Great Podcast. Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And for more information and social media links, visit my website at ellenthegreat.com. Till next time.